The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we have a story from Jane Esther Hamilton, who is probably better known as star of adult cinema's golden age, Veronica Hart. How's my voice sound this week, y'all? I got hit with some sort of bug. I'm going to guess it was the flu because I took a COVID test, and instead of the two lines you would get if you got COVID. I got zero lines, which I think means I'm dead. It hadn't expired yet, so I'm not sure what that's about. But it looks like it's not COVID, so that's good. And so far, I have a perfect record of zero COVID. Everyone I know is on their third, fifth, sixth outbreak, and I'm still at zero as far as I know. And I'm, you know, When you're having a week where you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're laying on the couch and you're high on Theraflu or taking NyQuil, because I took a lot of NyQuil, great way to recover is just take too much NyQuil. It's kind of like being drunk, except you sleep through it. So I just laid around, did nothing. I was planning to drive to LA to go to Patreon's Creator Fest, and I just got promoted to Patreon Ambassador. So I'm working on doing a better job on Patreon. And I was excited to meet all the other Patreon ambassadors in LA, which was happening the night before Patreon's Creator Fest. And well, my first problem was Edna the Minivan did not pass smog. I thought that would be an easy thing because it was my mother's car. My mother was like meticulous about things, unlike me, but it failed smog. It's California. She was in Arizona. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, do I sound like I'm rambling? I'm on NyQuil right now, trying to keep my eyes open. So it failed smog, which meant I could not drive to LA, which I was excited about. I really want to hit the road. And I really wanted to have that long drive. It's such a great way to get out of your house, to listen to podcasts, to have long phone conversations with friends while you drive. I've really been needing a long road trip. And I was looking forward to this one. But... That meant the tags could not be legal, so I was not going to drive all the way from San Francisco to L.A. with the legal tags. There's a part of me that is defiant as fuck and wants to say, screw you, I'm going to do it anyway. But I figured I'd play it by ear. And then that night, I started getting sick, so I guess uh, the universe took care of that one for me. So I didn't get to go see some of the people I was excited about seeing in person at the Patreon conference. 
Uh, I did not teach my LA conference because the house I was planning on teaching at, I was teaching at a friend's house. They had just had a COVID outbreak and so I didn't feel safe teaching it there. So I had canceled it. And I had also bought tickets for one of my favorite things ever, which was choir, choir, choir. If you don't know about them, it is what got me through the pandemic. Every day I would put on their YouTube playlist and just listen to all those voices together. It's a choir of people. They put the lyrics up on screen and you all sing together and they manage you and say, you guys are going to take this part and y'all over here are going to take this part. And it's, it's just beautiful. And they're blowing up lately, which makes me really happy. But I did not get to go in person. I was disappointed. It was Fleetwood Mac night, so I didn't get to have that experience. And uh, a lot of feeling sorry for myself. One of the things I've been talking to you about is the fact that I'm trying to put together a national tour and I'm hitting some walls with that. The hardest part is booking venues and venues are just not getting back to me. And I guess it means I'm not important enough. I've got one show booked so far for sure. And that was because they loved me and came to me and everybody else is just like, um, who the fuck are you lady? So yes, do I sound like I feel sorry for myself? It might be the Theraflu. <laughs> but I'm trying to pick myself up, dust myself off and make this stuff happen. Nothing happens unless you make it happen. And I'm typically pretty good at just going, well, I guess I'm just going to try another tack now, aren't I? And when I'm sick, you know, I guess I'm a big baby. Sorry about that. But you like the Dixie Ramble, you tell me. And you like to hear what's really going on. And that's what's really going on for me. If you know a venue that would be great for the show, contact me. Put me in touch with them. Go in and tell them how awesome we are. I'm really ready to move forward. I'm really ready to come to new cities. It's been so exciting to start preparing for travel, to get to meet people in new cities. That's my favorite part. And once I have a venue locked down, that means I can start putting out the call for stories because you know you want to be on stage telling your story at body there is nothing like it in the world watching you get a standing ovation while I shake my applause titties I need more of that in 2024 so right now I'm working on the beginning of the year to celebrate 17 years and I need to get these things going if I'm going to stick to my schedule <sighs> Okay, the NyQuil's starting to wear off. I'm going to stop talking now. Thanks for listening to that. I've got a spot left in my next storytelling workshop. It's happening live and in person in San Francisco, and I'm saving it for you. I want to share this testimonial that one of my recent students wrote for me. As a longtime listener and lover of storytelling, I always wondered if I could put together my own story. I finally decided I had to try it for myself and signed up for Dixie's How to Be Fascinating Dixie's secret system for brilliant storytelling. And it was such a great decision. I believe anyone could benefit from this course. Dixie is a direct, fearless, and compassionate teacher, which helped me get out of my own way and start telling stories. She also gave me the invaluable opportunity to get real-time story coaching. The best part about this class is that Dixie beautifully combines her passion and love for the art of stories with her mechanical knowledge of them. This helps her students create compelling stories full of heart that also have technical finesse. 
the whole experience was a 10 out of 10. Let yourself be fascinating. Take this class. The class is happening on Sunday, December 3rd, and we'll get to spend an entire day together. You'll get custom coaching for your story. You'll get a special workbook and working with you to help you tell your story. Once you know how, you'll know how forever. It's the best investment in your future ever. There's a link in the show notes. Go ahead and sign up now. I'm really excited about the story that I'm going to bring you this week. And it has an interesting backstory. You may know infamous sexologist and porn star Annie Sprinkle is a friend of mine here in San Francisco. And back in February, my show just wasn't coming together the way I wanted it to. I did have Annie's partner, Beth Stevens, who is a brilliant storyteller. You may have heard her story on the podcast several months ago, but I wasn't getting the story I wanted to finish out that lineup for my big 16th anniversary. So Annie said, you need to know my friend Jane Hamilton. Jane and I worked together. She'd never done this kind of performance, and she worked so hard. It was so exciting to watch her on stage getting a standing ovation for something brand new to her. And we've since become fast friends. So let me tell you about her. Veronica Hart, also known as Jane Esther Hamilton, became a star in adult cinema's golden age, won Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress in the Eroticas and XRCO Awards, and is included in several adult Hall of Fames. Veronica Hart is one of the 25 most notable legends of erotica and is listed as one of the 100 most influential people in sex. She has a BA in theatrical arts and is known for performing in many adult films, including Ascent of Heather, Wanda Whips Wall Street, Roommates, and Amanda by Night, and also acting in mainstream film, playing the judge in Boogie Nights and Vivica St. James in Six Feet Under, and for acting on stage in The Deep Throat Sex Scandal, the Dyke and the Porn Star, and Dial S for Sex. Veronica Hart is a legend, y'all. One of my favorites when I used to sneak into adult theaters as a kid. I loved Veronica Hart's movies. And it was such a thrill for me to meet her in real life, to be able to story coach her so that she could share her story on stage at Body. It was one of my proudest moments. Thank you, Annie Sprinkle, for introducing us. And this story is from Jane Hamilton, also known as Veronica Hart. Oh, that was good for me. See you later. Good night. Oh, my God. God, how do you live up to that shit? Oh, you just can't. And I hope I don't disappoint you. I hope it's, I hope it's as good for you as it was for me. <laughs> so have you ever gotten more than you wished for? <laughs> so I'm 20 years old. And um, I'm just taking, actually I'm putting on my makeup, but I've taken off my costumes and I'm now in my street clothes. And there's a clown across from me. A clown. No, I mean a real clown. He really is. And he's adorable. He's not one of those scary. You know how some clowns, you look like they're so fucking scary. You do, ah! But he was a really nice, sweet, gentle clown. He had a nice, uh, bright uh, face painted on him. It was all white and red and big white eyes. 
He was like a tramp clown. He had these baggy pants with the suspenders and a really tight shirt, actually, and a jacket with all sorts of like different colored patches and things on it. He was a sweet clown, a really nice clown. I liked him. His name was Brian. And as I was watching him take off his makeup, I mean, it was this amazing transformation that was taking place. As all that grease paint and everything was coming off, he, god damn, he was like really good looking. Think um, Robin Williams. Robin Williams and Patch Adams, that kind of good looking, you know? That kind of sweet, wholesome, traditional good looks and everything. And he was nice. I mean, he was really nice. He was talking in his British accent. So he's very proper, but not stuffy, you know? I mean, this was 1977. And this is when punk music was, was I mean, it was, it was punk time, you know? And I was used to all these English lads that are like out and about and they're really tough and rough and they got mohawks and piercings and everything. And that wasn't Brian at all. He was well-spoken. He was sweet. He made me laugh. He was telling me stories about all the different places that he'd performed his act. And God damn, I found him attractive. I mean, I was really attracted to this guy. He was very cool. So what does a 20-year-old American girl who's very adventurous, who's having the best time of her life in jolly old England, what does she do when she meets this really attractive clown in a caravan in the back of the circus? I just kind of walked over to the door, locked the door. That stopped him talking right away. <laughs> it really seemed to get his attention. So I turned around and said, hey, how do you fancy a blowjob? And the look he gave me was like, oh, God. I thought, oh, my God, have I blown it before I've even blown him? You know? <laughs> okay, yeah, so I ran away to the circus, okay? I, no, seriously, I was in the circus. I was in Jerry Cottle's Christmas Circus. And, I mean, it was the real deal. They had a big, huge blue tent. I mean, like a mother tent. It was like the big top. And it had like these white kind of icing on top of it. Because, of course, it was a Christmas circus. So the blue and the white. And I've, I didn't realize it then, but I found out later that it held like 1,500 people. And this was like one of the major circuses that was traveling around um, England. And we were in Clapham Common. So Clapham Common is this, it's a fucking huge, huge park. Um, it's south of the Thames, just south of like Westminster. If you just kind of go in London, Westminster, the Thames, and there's Clapham Common. And uh, we were there in December. So it was freezing. It was so cold. And we used to get changed in these um, caravans. We had these kerosene heaters that kind of um, warmed us up while we were putting on our clothes and doing our makeup and stuff. And it was a big, huge, a huge deal. We used to go out, everybody, everybody in the whole circus would go out at the beginning of each show and the end of each show, and we'd parade around 
uh, I was one of the dancing girls. I was actually in a dance troupe when we were dancing there. Um, think like a Las Vegas kind of showgirl. We had the big um, bright feathers coming out and the feathers on our butt. And we had, yeah, we had uh, silver sequins and rhinestones and, you know, it was like, kind of like glorified bikinis. There, there, there wasn't any, any nudity whatsoever. Uh, of course, because it's Jerry Cottle's Christmas Circus. It's a family show. It is. So we would parade around to Jerry Cottle's Christmas Circus is back in town. Jerry Cottle's Christmas Circus of world renown. Big on the big parade of clowns, animals, and entertainers. And that was us. And we would go, we would walk around the, the, the big top and we'd all be waving, you know, that wave and everything, trying to step over the elephant shit, you know, <laughs> as we were going around the, uh, around the, the, the circle there. And it was, it was fabulous. It was great. And there was everything. Everybody came out at the beginning and the end. And they had trapeze artists. They had strong men. They had uh, feats of skill. They had tons of animals. They had elephants and tigers and dogs and horses and everything. They even had a guy that got shot out of a cannon. It was for real. For real. I mean, it was like a real, real circus. And um, they actually had tons of clowns, well, not tons. There was about seven clowns. And they did most of this stuff in between the acts, you know, they were funning around and stuff like that. And then there was one clown that was in with the rest of the performers, and that was Brian. Hmm, yeah. So, yeah, baby. Uh, so I found out about Brian. You know, once you get into the routine of the show, um, I could tell how long it was going to take for me to get my clothes on, my costumes changed, my makeup on, and everything. So I started going out and seeing the acts. And that's when I finally found out about him. Because he was like, he was a, a funny clown, but he was a tightrope wire artist. Okay, so he, he, would, he would be walking and then he'd fall and he'd fall back on the wire and bounce back up. Or he'd fall and then just kind of go between his legs and, and then he'd bounce back up. I mean, he was amazing. He was so, so good at what he did that I just, I was so impressed. I was so impressed, which is why I propositioned him in the caravan that day. <laughs> You know what, he, was, he wasn't that shocked. He really wasn't. I think he was kind of like gobsmacked or speechless or something. You know, and he was so sweet. You guys, this guy's the nicest guy. He said, I am so flattered. I am so flattered, but I'm a very happily married man. You know, and if it was, if it was any, any different or anything different, then, you know, I'd entertain that. We could probably have some fun, but that's, I love my wife. And I go, oh, Anil, right? It's, it was really wonderful, really wonderful, really, very touching to me. And I thought, well, let me find out about his wife. So I go, <laughs> So I said, said, okay, so tell me about your wife. And his wife was called Julie, and she was one of the headlining singers in the talk of the town. 
Okay, so if you're a model actress dancer trying to make it in England, and all of a sudden, you know, you hear about this like headliner at the talk of the town, which was one of the biggest clubs in London at the time. Oh my God, that's amazing. Well, hey, you know, if you love your wife so much, why don't you give her a present? Me. <laughs> <laughs> So he actually said he'd ask her. <laughs> so I see him the next day, and he says, guess what? Julie would love to meet you. Yes. I was so excited. I mean, really excited. And he said, why don't, why don't you come over next Monday night? Because it had to be on a Monday night, because we were all performers. And I think the talk of the town was dark on Monday. And of course, the circus wasn't working on a Monday night. So, you know, I got all dressed up. And it wasn't too slutty. But I know I had my little mini skirt on, and a nice little, little tight top, and my boots, kind of like I have now. And uh, I hopped on the tube. And I went to tooting. Yes, because they lived in Tooting. And you know, when you get into a, a, a neighborhood or something like that, you, you get the feel of the neighborhood. And that was really nice. You know, you could tell that people had like pride of ownership. There was, it was nice streets, nice houses, like the row houses, the kind that have the, the beautiful, lovely gardens in the back. I thought, wow, this is really, really very nice. <laughs> so I went up and knocked on the door. And Julie answered, yeah. And she was cool, okay? <laughs> yeah, she was lean and trim. And she, she had like a pixie haircut. And she reminded me of like a young Shirley MacLaine in, um, in like Sweet Charity. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, wow. But she was, she was sophisticated. You know, she had this cream silk blouse and this navy blue pants and... Uh, I thought, hell yeah, okay, <laughs> you know? And she was so nice, so damn nice. And we, she took me in, there was Brian, I gave him a big hug and said, hey, Brian, how are you? And we, we sat around, had some wine, and uh, you know, we started talking, she's talking about the, the talk of the town, and you know, her job there as a singer and all the malarkey that she goes through. And then she started talking about her kids. And I thought, oh, that is so cool. Who were, very conveniently staying at a friend's house that night. <laughs> uh, I talked to her about modeling and the stupid stuff I was doing and the dancing, going up and down England and doing all this stuff. And, um, you know, we were getting along. I'd, I'd always hung out with older people and they were so nice. They were like quality people. They were performers. They were people I really admired. It was, it was wonderful. And I was happy to be there, and they were happy I was there, too. It was so nice, I got invited into their bedroom. <laughs> you know, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't one of those things where like everybody like races to tear off their clothes and pile on. It was, it was just kind of nice and cool and relaxed. And we just, you know, kind of started touching each other, maybe fondling each other, a breast here, putting a hand here between the crotch or rubbing Brian's nice cock, which was very lovely too. There's a dynamic that happens in threesomes, you know? And, and you really, I think, as women, we have to take care of each other. 
for me, this was really cool, okay? Because, like, guys, you're great, but that's, you know, kind of expected. <laughs> so, but for me to get to go with a lovely lady was, was wonderful. It was exquisite. And I wanted her to feel good. I wanted her to feel secure. I didn't want her to think I was only there for him. Believe me, I wanted her too. <laughs> yeah, she was very hot. So, so it was easy for me to, to worship and adore her because I wanted her to feel good. I wanted her to, to feel secure, like I wasn't coming in and trying to, you know, take the man away or, you know, have my way with her husband or anything. So it was wonderful because me and Brian got to worship and adore Julie, and that was wonderful fun. I think I started t by taking off my, my top first, and they kind of followed suit, and pretty soon my bra was off, and I skinnied out of my, my skirt, and we were all naked, and it was great. I remember Julie lying back down on the bed, and this really nice moment where I'm... Uh-oh. That's going to cost somebody something. <laughs> Where I'm on one nipple and Brian's on the other. And we're like, kind of like cross-eyed at each other, you know. And he looks at me with this. He's so happy. And he kind of gives me a wink like, this is wonderful what we're doing for my wife. And it just, God, it made me feel so, so good, so good. And we just started you know, kissing. And it was great to be able to get my face in there and kiss him and then kiss her and taste both of them. And then while they were kissing, I traveled down their body, licking and kissing and getting to his beautiful cock that was perfect. You know, not too big, not too small, just enjoyment size. It was just... <laughs> licking him and sucking on him while they're kissing each other. And oh, it was so good. And then I'd turn to her and I'd nestle her pussy a little, you know, trying to be not too much, just kind of smush my face in around, rub it, lick a little bit. Oh, and to taste him and her together. By this time, he was like raging hard. It was like, yeah. And then to be able to take his dick and, and, and put it, help put it, guide it right into her pussy. And to be able to feel both of them as his dick went into her, just feel it go in and out. And, and I actually tried to put my face down there. I did, I did, I put my face down there. I had to be careful not to get smacked by it, but I went underneath and just where the two came together, where their bodies penetrated each other. Oh my God. It, uh, oh. And then, so I was touching them, and you would, I know that you'd find this hard to believe, I was touching myself, too, at the same time. And, that was, and, and just to be there with them and to feel them, they were obviously so much in love, and for them to have opened up their bedroom to me in their life and let me share this moment of love, it was so fucking awesome. Julie came, Brian came, I came, huzzah! <laughs> It was really good. 
so they said it was, it was late. By that time, I mean, we had, we had stretched this out. It was nice, luxurious, languid, fucking, sucking. Yeah, it was great. So um, they said, well, you can't go home. It's too late to go home on the tube now. So please stay over. So it was great. I spent the night there. And I had a fabulous night's sleep. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning to hear breakfast being cooked and the kids laughing and fooling around. It was wonderful. It was like, wow, this is cool. So, you know, was, I felt a little bit awkward, but it wasn't awkward. It really wasn't. I kind of went out and peeked my head. I had my clothes on. Okay. <laughs> I did have my clothes back on. I got, got dressed before I went out into the other room. And, and, and it was great. I got to meet their kids. Um, the, the little girl was like seven and their son was 12. And we had the best time. They found it fascinating that I was, was American and you know we got to talk and I asked them about their school and we had pancakes and lots of orange juice and eggs. And, and it was wonderful. It was really, 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 really lovely. You know. I ended up doing a lot of things with my life. Like, um, as Dixie said, I got to, I'm very lucky. I mean, I've had a very blessed life. I got to star in like lots of adult movies like Amanda by Night and Neon Nights and Wanda Whips Wall Street and Santa Heather. And, and then I, I was lucky enough to also get to like produce and direct. So I've done a lot of that too. Did you guys see Misty Beethoven, the musical? I have a singing penis in that that you don't get to see often, so see it if you can. The penis is the ruler of the world. Yeah. And um, let's see, I did uh, Torn and Taken. Those were Ginger Lynn's comeback film, and I did her comebacks and also Marilyn Chambers, three films that she made when she came back into the industry um, after, you know, she had been gone out of the adult for a long time. I got to um, produce... Um, most all of Michael Nin's stuff that he did for um, VCA. And yeah, I had a tremendous career going all over the United States, uh, dancing as a headliner, and I've done voiceover work and just all sorts of good stuff. And hey, I'm still doing it. I'm here tonight, and I'm really thrilled. <laughs> thrilled to be here. Really thrilled to be here. But I gotta tell you, that sex, that night, was the best sex in the world for me right then. You know, Julie and Brian and their family became my family. It became a, a place where I could go to, to um, decompress or have a shoulder to cry on, to talk about relationships, to just hang out, or to have really great sex. Right? They informed me about how to make my movies. And what I wanted to make was movies that showed how important sex was for connecting people together. In that bedroom, there were no tightrope wires. There were no trapeze acts. It was just three people getting together and feeling each other and sharing love and being in the moment at the same time. And that's what I wanted to show is that connection that you can only get through intimacy and sex. So, so through that threesome, I found my English family, which was way better than just a blowjob. 
The Woman in Me sold over one million copies in its first week. That was Britney Spears with three. I am so proud to say that I just got promoted to Patreon ambassador, which means they realize that Body's fans are so important to me and how I really want to do a great job for them. I didn't get to go to the conference to learn how to do my job better, but that does not mean that I will stop. We have regular meetings and... If you've heard me talk about Patreon before, it's the thing 
that makes so much sense. It's a monthly recurring promise to an artist, that would be me, that you want this thing to keep going. I am watching so many friends lose their businesses right now. I'm watching shows fold. I'm watching theaters fold. And so far, I'm still here. And the reason is Patreon. So if you could go to patreon.com slash body and support me on whatever level you can, it would make a huge difference, especially as I'm preparing to travel. Because maybe I'll be coming to your city and it'll be possible because of Patreon. And if Patreon's not your thing, there's plenty of ways for you to support Body. One-time donations are more than welcome. Venmo, PayPal, all of that. Feel free to message me if you want to know how. And thanks for considering it. It's a big fucking deal that you want the Body Storytelling Podcast to continue. Social media has been sending me some threatening messages lately. So if you want to stay in touch with Body, the best way to do that is to subscribe to our newsletter doesn't go out very often, but it'll let you know where we're headed next. So go to bodystorytelling.com slash subscribe. And thanks for doing it. I got an email yesterday from somebody who said, Dixie, thank you for sharing these stories with us. It makes me feel so much better about who I am and what I love. And I've shared this podcast with everybody I know, and I've asked them to share it with everyone they know too. I want to say thank you for that because that means we get a little bump and more people learn about us. And it's really hard to get your podcast out there these days. There's just so many. They don't know which one's good and you do because you're listening. So if you could write a review and put it wherever you do that, usually Apple Podcasts is the easiest place. You can also rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And that means more people will learn about the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks in advance for doing that. And also thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to Donald Mooney, David Grossoff, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Roland James, and podcast producer Roman Den Houdiker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delator. This has been episode 278 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. A big, a big love.